This program is brought to you by Preserve Gold, the number one precious metals IRA provider. Call 855-962-3322. Bill Gates is kicking off a trip to China and reports say he's meeting with Chinese leader Xi Jinping. His trip overlaps with a top American diplomat's visit there. But lately, Beijing has opened its arms to business leaders while giving politicians the cold shoulder. What's behind China's power play with Washington? And how do you think it'll play out? Welcome to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. Microsoft's co-founder Bill Gates is in Beijing, and reports from Reuters say he might be meeting with Chinese leader Xi Jinping. But Gates' visit is sending up red flags back on home soil. Here's why. China seems to be welcoming business heads with open arms, while giving big wigs in U.S. politics the cold shoulder. Beijing has largely declined to talk defense with Washington. The Chinese regime recently rejected a meeting between its defense minister and the Pentagon chief. U.S. military officials have said the ball is now in Beijing's court. America's top diplomat, Antony Blinken, is set to visit Beijing on Friday, but it's unclear if he'll get a meeting with Xi Jinping. On the business side, Beijing raided the China-based offices of several American consulting firms, sending chills to the Western business community. But at the same time, Beijing appears eager to attract foreign investment, as its own economy continues to struggle after ending pandemic lockdowns. A slew of American CEOs also recently traveled to China to check the pulse of their top market. Examples include Tesla and Twitter leader Elon Musk, J.P. Morgan Chase CEO Jamie Dimon, and Starbucks Laxman Nara Simon. But Beijing's differing attitude toward U.S. business versus government has set off alarms. Concerns center on China growing its nuclear arsenal, stealing foreign innovation to develop its military, and infiltrating U.S. technology and territory to spy on America. Those fears highlighted by the recent Chinese spy balloon incident and buy-ups of U.S. farmland near military bases. Back to the news of Gates' visit, news broke recently that Microsoft is reportedly moving some of its top artificial intelligence researchers from China to Canada amid U.S. tensions with Beijing. The tech giant's research arm in China has been critical for Beijing's rise in artificial intelligence, a field where the U.S. and China are competing for dominance. Microsoft's research in Asia has cultivated many talents for China's AI industry. NTD reached out to the Bill and Melina Gates Foundation for details, but did not immediately get a reply. The broadest campaign of cyber espionage surfacing in the run-up to Secretary of State Blinken's departure for China. Hundreds of public-private networks breached by state-backed Chinese hackers. Cybersecurity firm Mandiant on Thursday said nearly a third of all targets were government agencies. Of those organizations, more than half are located in the Americas, with 22% from Asia-Pacific and 24% from Europe, the Middle East and Africa. Foreign ministries in Southeast Asia, plus trade offices and academia in Taiwan and Hong Kong, also included. Mandian's chief technical officer calling the breach the broadest cyber espionage campaign known to be conducted by China since 2021. Mandian says it focused on issues that are high policy priorities for China, especially in the Asia-Pacific region. So how did the hack work? It said that Chinese hackers target people participating in diplomatic meetings. 
and then look for email accounts of foreign agents who are strategically important to China. Next, they use a security hole in a popular email security appliance to send malicious emails and break into their networks. Washington has long accused Beijing of being its major cyber espionage threat, with state-backed Chinese hackers stealing data from both the public and private sectors. Earlier this year, Microsoft said state-backed Chinese hackers have been targeting U.S. critical infrastructure, something that could potentially disrupt communications between the U.S. and Asia in times of crisis. The U.S. appears to be downplaying expectations of a breakthrough with China ahead of a critical trip. That's as of Wednesday, just days before the first trip by a U.S. Secretary of State to China in five years. A White House statement on the matter followed a tense call with Beijing's foreign minister. Here's more. The U.S. and China could be poised for their biggest meeting in years, but don't expect that to immediately ease tensions between them. That was the message from the U.S. State Department as Anthony Blinken headed to Beijing. His visit will be the first by U.S. Secretary of State to China in five years. We have differences on, on, on a wide range of issues, and we're going to be clear and candid about those issues. Um, uh, it doesn't mean we will have uh, any breakthroughs uh, on them on this trip. The comments followed what was reportedly a tense call between Blinken and Chinese Foreign Minister Qin Gang. A ministry readout from the call quoted Chin saying the U.S. should stop interfering in China's internal affairs, stop harming China's sovereignty, security and development interests in the name of competition. Blinken's trip was originally scheduled for February, but that was postponed after a suspected Chinese spy balloon flew over U.S. airspace. One alarming aspect of the sour ties has been Beijing's reluctance to have open military-to-military dialogue with Washington despite repeated U.S. attempts. U.S. officials said Blinken would try again in Beijing. The secretary wants to establish communication channels that are open and empowered to discuss important challenges, address misperceptions, and prevent miscalculation, to manage competition between our two countries. Ties between Washington and Beijing have deteriorated on a range of issues. Among the biggest concerns, however, is the potential for a military clash over the self-ruled island of Taiwan, which China claims as its own. Earlier this month, the U.S. Navy released video it said showed a Chinese vessel coming within yards of one of its ships in the Taiwan Strait. The two sides are also at odds over China's support for Russia amid the invasion of Ukraine, as well as trade, semiconductors and human rights issues. However, U.S. officials still expect that Blinken's visit will pave the way for more bilateral meetings in the coming months. As Washington plays down expectations about Blinken's visit to China, how do lawmakers on Capitol Hill feel about his trip? NTD's Melina Weiskopf brings us the latest from D.C. Just your thoughts on what he what should be the focus of that? Should he bring up human rights? Why? I mean, my view is he, he shouldn't be going right now. In order to even get to the negotiating table, it seems we make these concessions to the CCP or they humiliate us in the process just for the sake of engagement has undermined the urgency we need to actually win this competition. The fact that the Biden administration is reviving diplomatic and economic engagement as a core pillar of our grant strategy, I just, I think, is is counterproductive and dangerous. I agree with uh, Chairman Gallagher. Um, we need to project strength, not weakness. And uh, unfortunately, this administration is, is, is not deterring. We need deterrence. And when you reward bad behavior, you get more bad behavior. The spy balloon incident, reported spy base in Cuba, and provocations by the Chinese military have magnified U.S.-China tensions in recent months.
With Secretary Blinken working towards Biden's thaw with China, another top official seems to be taking a different path. White House National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan was in Tokyo Thursday for a meeting with his counterparts from Japan and South Korea. The focus, maintaining peace and stability in the Taiwan Strait, plus the East China and South China Seas. It's a hot-button issue for Beijing as it ramps up influence and military development in the region and maintaining its claims on Taiwan. According to a U.S. statement, the officials also covered technology, energy security and countering economic coercion, plus North Korea's illicit nuclear and missile programs. Washington has long suspected that China runs a spying operation in a Cuban village that once hit Soviet nuclear warheads. The question was renewed last week following a Wall Street Journal report. But the Cuban village remains shrouded in mystery. Let's zoom in. Birds chirp and lush trees sway in the wind, a scene of Caribbean tranquility. But just outside the sleepy Cuban village, called Behukal, is what the U.S. government suspects has long been an intelligence gathering facility that once hid Soviet nuclear warheads. Now, large parabolic antennas are partially obscured by vegetation, and a sign nearby warns, keep out, military zone. The United States believes the base, just 116 miles from Florida's Key West, is used to intercept U.S. electronic communications, according to a Federal Communications Commission document from November 2022. And it's newly in focus after the Wall Street Journal, citing unnamed American officials, reported Washington was worried that China was working towards setting up a spy base in Cuba to better eavesdrop on the U.S. The White House National Security Council did not respond to Reuters' questions on whether Behukal housed the alleged Chinese spy facilities or whether it remained concerned about the site. China on Monday denied the journal reports. A foreign ministry spokesperson called the allegations a farce. The Biden administration has shared few details. Here's Secretary of State Antony Blinken on Monday. With regard to, uh, to Cuba, um, when this administration took office in January 2021, we were briefed on a number of sensitive efforts by uh, Beijing around the world to expand their overseas logistics, uh, basing, collection infrastructure uh, to allow them to project and sustain military power at a greater distance. Based on the information we have, the PRC conducted an upgrade of its intelligence collection facilities in Cuba in 2019. The communist-run government said Blinken's assertions about a Chinese spy base in Cuba are false. And it has dismissed prior allegations as a U.S. fabrication meant to justify Washington's decades-old economic embargo against the island. Perhaps unsurprisingly, local Cubans had little to say about the military site near town. I don't know. I know it's a military installation. You can't go there. During the 1962 Cuban Missile Crisis, Bejucal gained notoriety after U.S. spy planes uncovered it as a hiding place for Soviet nuclear warheads. Moscow backed down and removed the missiles, but it is widely regarded as the moment when the U.S. and Soviet Union came closest to nuclear confrontation. But now, the small communist-ruled island could once again be central in great power rivalries. 
A message from Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen on Tuesday. She encourages Washington to stay open to trading with China. I think um, we gain and China gain from trade and investment um, that is as open as possible. And it would be disastrous for us to attempt to decouple from China. De-risk, yes. Decouple, absolutely not. Trade tensions between the U.S. and China have existed for years. Concerns over national security, China's human rights issues, and its support to Russia all contribute to it. On the other hand, the secretary shared her take on how the relationship benefits America, especially when it comes to inexpensive goods from China. We benefit greatly from access to uh, cheaper products, a wide array of products, and products in some cases where China has a technological lead. But why exactly are Chinese products so cheap? One main fear is the Chinese Communist regime's genocide towards the Uyghur ethnic group. Early in 2021, the U.S. Congress passed an act banning all imports made with forced labor from China's Xinjiang region, or East Turkestan, as it's known to the Uyghurs. The area is home to China's biggest Uyghur group. Worth noting, the dumping of cheap Chinese goods into the U.S. market may also hurt sales numbers for American-made products. That's due to their remarkably low prices. Though Yellen said President Biden would keep sanctioning human rights violators. The question is, will Beijing improve its human rights record to keep trade routes open with the U.S.? Canada is cutting off ties with a China-led investment bank. It's called the Asian Infrastructure Investment Bank, or AIIB. This after a top executive resigned, saying the bank is being controlled by Communist Party hacks. NTD's Daniel Monahan has more on the executive's concerns. The executive is Global Communications Chief Bob Pickard. Pickard took up the role in March 2022. He wrote that resigning was his only choice as a patriotic Canadian. He tweeted, The AIIB is dominated by Communist Party members and also has one of the most toxic cultures imaginable. I don't believe that my country's interests are served by its AIIB membership. Pickard tweeted that, The reality of power in the bank is that it's CCP from start to finish and added that the CCP deals with some board members as useful idiots. Pickard also wrote on social media, I saw with my own eyes the extent to which Communist Party hacks occupy key positions in the bank like an in-house KGB or Gestapo or Stasi. Deputy Prime Minister Christia Freeland reacted to the comments. She says Canada will cease all activities with the bank for the time being, so the government can investigate Pickard's allegations. The AIIB was established by the CCP in 2015. It was billed as an alternative to the American and European-led World Bank and International Monetary Fund. Chinese experts have warned that Beijing's aim is to pivot the world economy toward the communist state and away from the United States. Daniel Monahan, NTD News. Back in the Indo-Pacific, the president of Palau is asking the U.S., Japan and allies for help. The nation reached out on Thursday over concerns that uninvited Chinese vessels had ventured into its waters. President Sir Angel Whips Jr. explained that troops discovered a supposed Chinese research vessel inside its exclusive economic zone last month. In the same area, some of the nation's undersea fiber optic cables are laid along the seafloor, critical for both civilian and defense communication.
The president voiced fears over, quote, what their intent is, adding that the U.S. is very aware of the situation and continuously working with Palau to improve security. Washington and Beijing have been competing for influence in the region, with both either signing security deals or maintaining already established ones with countries there. Coming up, having postponed a February trip, Secretary of State Antony Blinken is finally set to depart for China this weekend. But don't call the trip a thaw just yet. Washington just lowered expectations for the exchange. And now another U.S. visitor is in Beijing. Reports saying Microsoft co-founder Bill Gates might be meeting Chinese leader Xi Jinping. What might U.S. foreign policy towards China look like going forward? We hear from Alex Gray, senior fellow from American Foreign Policy Council, for details. More on that after the break, here on China in Focus. Welcome back to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. Where is U.S.-China policy really headed? And how will Blinken's trip to Beijing play out after several months of rising tensions between the two nations? Will both sides overcome mutual mistrust or end up in a deeper divergence? We sat down with Alex Gray, senior fellow from the American Foreign Policy Council and former deputy assistant to the president at the White House, for more. Alex Gray, thank you so much for joining us. Great to have you back on the show. Thanks for having me back, Tiffany. So Secretary of State Antony Blinken is traveling to China. We're not, we're not sure who he's meeting with yet, according to the State Department. Meanwhile, Microsoft's Bill Gates is reportedly meeting with China's Xi Jinping in China. How do we read these two very different trips? Right now, the United States, I think, is reasonably perceived by Beijing as, as operating from a position of weakness. and. The reason I'm so concerned about that is President Biden and Secretary Blinken have continuously acted as if a meeting with Xi Jinping or with whoever the, the Chinese counterpart is, uh, is the most important thing on their agenda. And, and the appearance of the United States almost begging for an audience with Xi Jinping while the CCP's international behavior continues to be malign, continues to be so uh, egregious in so many ways, um, whether it's Ukraine, whether it's the Middle East, whether it's uh, the unsafe maneuvering in the Taiwan Straits, whether, I mean, go down the list of, of, the, the, of course, the spy balloon, now what we're seeing in Cuba, you go down the list of behavior and it's totally uh, it just doesn't make sense to have the United States appearing to be begging for an audience with the General Secretary of the Communist Party. Tiffany, that image isn't just something that the CCP is viewing. Our allies and our partners are viewing it too. And they're seeing the United States uh, begging for an audience with Xi Jinping as a, a weak, a weakened America. And that's that's deeply concerning. And Alex, on that note, how did we get here where the U.S. is chasing China? Well, I think we got there because going back to the the summit last year when President Biden met with Xi Jinping and there was this um, clear intent on the Biden administration to prioritize dialogue with the CCP, um, I, I think that created a framework 
where different levels of the Biden administration started to view dialogue for dialogue's sake as a, an end goal and an objective. And we saw Secretary Blinken desperately wanted to talk to the Chinese. Uh, then we had this balloon crisis that was called off because they couldn't, obviously politically in the United States, that wasn't untenable. Uh, but then consistently since then, they have wanted to have that discussion back. Um, I thought that the revelations about Cuba would again scuttle those discussions. They have instead sought to blame the Trump administration uh, inexplicably and plow on with their desire for negotiations regardless. And I think that's, um, I, I think this, the, the reality is the Biden administration is uh, subordinate to the climate change uh, lobby in the Democratic Party who view Beijing not from a strategic or a military or an economic lens, but from a climate change lens. I mean, I, I think that's been part of the reason that we're in this unfortunate position. And Alex, zooming in on that business and enterprise sector, we are seeing very warm welcomes to, say, Elon Musk recently, J.P. Morgan Chase's Jamie Dimon, and now it seems Bill Gates with Microsoft, whereas China seems to give, be giving the cold shoulder to the White House officials. What does this mean for our foreign policy? When there's a potential for an unwanted air, uh, air encounter or sea encounter, we can try and, and ensure that uh, they don't escalate. That makes sense. What doesn't make sense is the Pentagon continues to want to have military to military talks for their own sake. Um, again, it shows weakness. It doesn't strengthen our hand. And in too many instances, I think we've, we've actually given away um, sensitive and invaluable operational uh, tactics and techniques and procedures that unnecessarily um, you know, add advantage our adversary to our own detriment. On the commercial side, when we look at the Bill Gates visit, we should look at it in the context of Microsoft's continued exposure to China, while at the same time trying to do business with the Pentagon and the rest of the US government. Those are, those are very conflictual things. And we need to be thinking about that um, when we're, we're thinking about you know, what, is, what is the US government, who are we partnering with to try and secure our data and to secure our, uh, our, our tech backbone. On the Microsoft point, there are reports and arguments that China wouldn't be where it is today without the help of Microsoft, especially in AI development. So given that, where do we go from here? Microsoft, I think, is one of them who have not realized that uh, trying to operate in the national security realm in the United States while operating in the economic realm in China are not compatible. If you want to operate as a trusted provider for the U.S. military, for the U.S. intelligence community, for, for U.S. economic security, um, you have to make a decision about whether that's where you want to be or do you want to be doing what Microsoft is doing? Do you want to be operating um, as, a, as a partner of the Chinese Communist Party? Alex Gray, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for having me, Tiffany. That's all for today's China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. If you have any feedback on the show or have something you'd like to see us cover, send us an email at chinainfocus.ntd.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for watching. See you tomorrow.